0: So we are in week 66 of Matthew. We're working in chapter 23. And Yeshua has been going through an intense examination since he came into Jerusalem. In the preceding chapters, 21 and 22, record him being questioned by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. As they try, as they may, they've been unable to find fault with him. And we all know that Yeshua is our Passover lamb, so I like to compare that examination to the examining of the lamb required by God, commanded by God. They were to examine their lamb for four days to be sure it was without blemish, and Yeshua will be examined for four days, and at the end of the examination, Pilate will say, I can find no fault with this man. So in chapter 23, the examination is kind of interrupted by Yeshua as he speaks to his disciples and to the crowd about the scribes and the Pharisees. And we also get, then after that, the seven woes that he speaks against them. But let's start by uh, reading the NIV, the first four verses of chapter 23. And it says, Then Yeshua said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Now, let me just start out by saying this is a very difficult chapter, and most uh, really don't understand too much of it. As an example, if you think about it, this one chapter, on the one hand, has been used by the church as a polemic against the rabbis and the Jewish people and even against Torah observance itself. Then on the other hand, it's been used by others who use the phrase, so you must obey them to show that we should be following what the rabbis say and we should be really following Orthodox Judaism. The problem is that both of these extremes miss the point. But I am telling you about them because they show how widely misunderstood this passage is. I myself really never cease to ponder this chapter. Nearly every time I come across it, I, I stop to rethink it and see if there's something new that I can glean out of it. But in a ministry that's attempting to restore the Jewishness to the gospel, I'm confronted with this passage often. And the reason that it's so hard to understand and even harder to explain is to someone is because of the way we translate it. You see, without a hard look at the time in which it's spoken, the situation in which it's spoken, you can't—you really can't come to a correct understanding. Now, we could listen to the church and forget about the Torah, or we could listen to those who say the, that the, the rabbis are right and go out and buy black hats and, and black coats, or we can dig a little deep into the history, the language, the customs, the idioms, And move away from misunderstanding and come up with a true understanding. So it takes a little bit of work, but let's try and do that today. So Yeshua would seem to be telling his disciples to obey the Pharisees. Even though he also added, what a terrible burden they had added to the word of God. So I want to start our examination of these verses by reading from the Young's Literal Translation. Let me tell you what Young's Literal is. A literal translation is actually a word-for-word translation without changing the text's word order, or the verb tense, or anything that would take away from it just being a literal translation. So I'm going to read from Young's, It it reads this way, then Yeshua spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, on the seat of Moses sat down the scribes and the Pharisees, all then as they have to say to you, observe and do. But according to their works, do not. For they say and do not. For they bind together burdens heavy and grievous to be borne, and lay upon sh- the shoulders of men, but with a f- their finger they will not move them. Now, notice that I underlined the verb sat. And I, and I don't know if it's read up there, but I put it in red on my own. But but. It says, they sat on the seat of Moses. The scribes and the Pharisees sat on the seat of Moses. Most renderings put, they sit on the seat of Moses. But Young's is really truer to the original Greek. And I might add, it might seem like a small thing, the difference between sit and sat. But those who argue that we should be following the rabbis use this to say that Yeshua is actually putting his stamp of approval on their teachings. They sit in the seat of Moses as if God had given them that seat and the authority to do that. They sit because God has given them authority. Then those people do many things that the Orthodox do, right down to the black coats and hats, some of them. And here's why that's the wrong path. We want to see why that's the wrong path. If that were what Yeshua is saying, and I don't think it was, the orthodox Judaism of today really isn't the Pharisaic Judaism of yesterday anyway. They didn't wear black coats and hats back then. I often say with regard to the church that if Shaul were to walk into the church today, he probably wouldn't understand what was going on there. In fact... I know he wouldn't understand because it would be closed because he'd come on Saturday. <laughs> but even if he went back on Sunday and found them open, when he went in, everything that was going on there would be quite foreign to him. Well, let me, on the same token, if Yeshua was to, or if Shaul was to walk into an Orthodox synagogue this Sabbath, he wouldn't recognize what was going on there either. The halakha would be foreign to him. You see, what most people don't realize is the halakhic works of the rabbis of today were really formulated well after the first century. The formulation of the works of the rabbis of today was an ongoing work. The formulation of the Mishnah didn't happen until the second century. And then that continued right down through the Middle Ages with the Shulchan Aruch in the 1500s. And all of it was formulated during the dispersion of the Jewish people off the land. And is really far from what was practiced when Yeshua spoke these words. So if you think the rabbis have the way to do it, think again. They're nearly as far off course as the church. Well, here's the difference, and part of the difference is here in this verb, sit and sat. We see there, you see there were Those who say follow the rabbis, this is where their erroneous journey starts. The Greek, as we can see, really says they sat down in the seat of Moses. And it gives the sense that they saw the seat was empty, and they sat down, and they continued to sit in it. It wasn't given to them. I don't find anywhere in Scripture where the Pharisees were given authority to do the things they were doing by God. I can find that the priests were given that authority, but not the Pharisees. It says they sat in the seat. So we might assume that Yeshua is saying that the scribes and the Pharisees saw there was no priest sitting in the seat of Moses because it was vacant. They sat and continued to sit in the seat of Moses. It wasn't given to them. They saw the absence of a legitimate priesthood after the Maccabean revolt. They saw an absence of the legitimate priesthood who were the keepers and the teachers of the Torah and so they took the seat. Now, we should understand just what is the seat of Moses. Well, there's some evidence that there was a seat in the synagogue, an actual seat in the synagogue that was called the seat of Moses. And this is what Yeshua was referring to. And I think that that's correct in part. But if we want to really understand what he's speaking about, then we need to understand what happened in that seat, right? What happened in that seat was the Torah of God was taught. The words of Torah were expounded upon. The seed of Moses was the authority to read and interpret the word of God for the people. That's what Moses did. He received the Torah from God and conveyed it to the people. He spoke the word of God and that's what happened in the seed of Moses. So in regard to the scribes and the Pharisees teaching the word of God, Yeshua says this, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. You need to understand, the only place that you were going to hear Torah was in the synagogue. If you were from the nations, the only way you were going to become a God-fearer, like we read about of Cornelius, was if you went to the synagogue to hear the word of God. God God-fearers went to the Jewish synagogue to hear the word of God. The Romans, the Corinthians, and the Galatians, they didn't have temples dedicated to the God of Israel, where you could learn the Torah of God. And another thing, there were no pocket Bibles to read. That's why when we read the book of Acts, particularly chapter 15, and the question of circumcision of Gentiles comes up, the Gentiles who were turning to God and were still ignorant of the Torah, the decision was this. In verse 19 of chapter 15, it is my judgment therefore that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write them telling them to abstain from the food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So what James says here is let's not make it too difficult for these Gentiles who are turning to God. And I underlined turning in there because they were speaking to show that they're speaking of new believers, those who are just turning to God. Just require these things because they're going to learn Torah in the synagogue on every Sabbath day. This teaching in the synagogue, this reading of the Torah was so important to them. And we, because of our pocket Bibles, we really don't get it. If you didn't go to the synagogue, you did not hear the words of Torah or the Tanakh. Granted, you might run into someone like Shaul who had memorized vast portions of the Torah, but, you know, memories sometimes fail. If you really wanted the real deal, you had to go to the synagogue and you had to listen to them read the Torah. And these handwritten scrolls were only found in the house of the very rich or in the synagogue. You see, the synagogue was where you learned of God and the way God wants his people to live. Yeshua went to the synagogue, Shaul went to the synagogue, and the new believers went to the synagogue as well. So Yeshua is saying, because the scribes and the Pharisees sat down in the seat of Moses in the synagogue, they are the ones who copy the Torah, the word of God, the scribes. They copy it word for word, letter for letter. They're the ones who read it, the ones who expound on the Torah each and every Sabbath. So you must observe what they say. Observe and do. You see, observe and do is closely related to the Torah. It's a Torah expression that God uses when speaking of his commands. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1 says, These are the statutes and the judgments which you are to observe to do. In the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is given you to possess all the days that you are living on the ground so yeshua is saying observe and do what they tell you as they sit in the seat of moses teaching torah and i want you to think about it because this is consistent with yeshua's other teachings remember in matthew chapter 5 he told us that keeping the commands of god would be one of the identifiers of the people of the kingdom of heaven he says Anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but he who practices and teaches the commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he says, what the Pharisees teach, observe and do. What they say, observe and do. And right after giving these glowing words about the Pharisees, he says this, But according to their works, do not. For they say and do not. Now, if we're going to understand this, we have to understand the key word here is their works. Not the commands in the Torah, but their works. Yeshua makes a distinction between the words of Torah in the synagogue and the Pharisees' works of the Torah. So what Yeshua is saying, they speak words of Torah, so you must obey, but according to their works, do not do. So what does he mean by this? How can you obey and not obey? Right? Well, if we look at what some consider the oldest Hebrew gospel of Matthew, it's called the Shem Tov Matthew. It's also called the Even Boan, which means the tested stone. We can find something interesting. Now, a fellow named George Howard translated it, and you can find the translation online if you wanted to download the PDF file of this for yourself. But I'm not, And I'm not saying that it's better than any other gospel or putting my stamp of approval on it, but it gives us a slightly different perspective that I think is valuable in looking at this. It reads this way. Now, all which they say to you, keep and do, but according to their ordinances and deeds... Do not do, because they say and do not. They demand and set forth great burdens, which the shoulders of men are not able to bear, but they themselves, even with their finger, are unwilling to move. Now, what I want you to see here is that it adds ordinances in deeds. In other words, it makes it quite clear that Yeshua is making a distinction here between Torah and tradition. Ordinances. So Yeshua is saying they speak the words of Torah, but their halakha, their works, their traditions, do not actually observe Torah. He's seeing that their teachings or works have really missed the mark of the Torah. And this is consistent with the words of Yeshua in chapter 16 and verse 6. I'm going to read six verse 6 and 12. Yeshua said to them, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 12 says, then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against yeast, used and bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. To think that Yeshua is seen to observe and do all the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, as some want you to believe, is a ridiculous thought. Because, think about it, he's been at odds with them and their Torah observance all through the Gospels that we've read. They rebuked him for healing on the Sabbath. And he tells them doing good on the Sabbath is lawful and then he heals the man. They rebuked the disciples for picking grain for personal consumption on the Sabbath. Yeshua tells them that picking grain for yourself to eat to relieve your hunger is lawful in the disciples eat. He also was at odds with their interpretation of the purity laws which make up a great bulk of their traditions. They rebuke his disciples for not ceremonially washing their hands. And Yeshua says this in Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and verse 8. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Yeshua from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Yeshua replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but commandments taught by men. Their teachings about Torah, or we could say their traditions on keeping Torah, or we could say their works of the law were really just commandments made by men. They had in their keeping of the Torah disobeyed Torah. Deuteronomy says this, chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2 says, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. The Torah like any good contract, is a self-protecting document. You cannot change it without violating it. And what they had done was added to the Torah. So Yeshua, in essence, is telling them, observe the meat of Torah, but spit out the bones of tradition. Let me give you an easy example. The rabbis read the scripture. Keep the Sabbath holy. Do no servile work. That's what it says. And then they say, well, if you see an apple hanging on a tree, it's unlawful to pick it to relieve your own hunger because that would be harvesting. That's their interpretation, how they walk it out. And to that, Yeshua says, do not do. This word works is a word that's used by Shaul in the book of Galatians, and I want to look at it because this will point up what I'm saying. Listen to what he says in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Oh, you foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Yeshua the Messiah hath evidently sent forth, crucified among you. This only I would learn from you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Okay, so what... We have taken Shaul's works of the law here to mean as the commandments of the Torah. We've taken it to mean that what Yeshua meant was that he was meaning that we shouldn't follow Torah. But if he was saying that we shouldn't follow Torah, why wouldn't he just say commands of the Torah instead of putting a word like works in there that would confuse us, that could possibly be misunderstood well it's not hard if we put it into the context because remember Shaul is trying to tell the Galatians not to go undergo circumcision which was part of a conversion process required by the Pharisees. This he calls works of the law. And here's how we know that he speaks of a tradition because he's going to speak of circumcision again this time to the Corinthians and he's going to use it a little differently. And it's by comparing these two that we can understand that in Galatians, he's speaking of tradition. Corinthians chapter 7, verse 18 says, was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping the commands of God is what counts. Circumcision is, as part of being accepted into Israel was a Pharisaic work of the law not found in Torah for those living outside the land of Israel. We could say a tradition, not a command of God, but a tradition of men. And Shaul made that perfectly clear. For a Gentile living in Corinth, he says circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commands is what counts. Shaul is saying exactly what our master taught. The commands of Torah are what's good and pure, but the twisting of those commands done by tradition or the Pharisaic works of the law are not to be observed. They're a heavy burden that man should not be required to bear. Here is the debate on circumcision that we have in our books of the Bible. It really boils down to this in a nutshell. If the Spirit of God accepted you while you were uncircumcised, then you've been accepted by God. You can't be any more accepted by your observance of this tradition. Just keep the commands of God. That's what counts. Shaul wants us to know there's a difference between works of the law a la Pharisees and observing the commands of God a la the Spirit of God. Yeshua is making the same point. The commands of God that these Pharisees and scribes tell you, those observe and do. But according to their works, their harsh interpretations do not do. You see, if you don't get this one thing in your memory banks and keep it at the forefront of your minds as you study the words of Yeshua and Shaul, you're never going to understand Scripture because you're doomed to make the same failure as our church fathers did. You see, there's a difference between the Torah of God and the traditions of the Pharisees and it is this difference that Shaul and Yeshua take exception. The Torah of God is God-breathed and perfect. That's what Shaul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, All Scripture Is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work? The Torah of God is God-breathed and it should be used for teaching and equipping to perform good works of the law. Are there good works of the Torah? Well, yes, there are. Yeshua performed those good works. The disciples performed those good works. Are there works that aren't so good? You see, anytime there's a tradition, whether it be of the rabbis or whether it be tradition of the Christian pastors or theologians that stray from what God meant in his Torah, those are bad works. If there are traditions of the rabbis that stray, they're bad works. Yeshua is saying that the Pharisees taught. Torah with their mouths they spoke Torah with their mouths they read it in the synagogue do no work on the Sabbath day but many of their traditions for keeping that law did in fact violate the Torah do not heal on the Sabbath was a violation of the Torah I also want to say this not all of the traditions of the Pharisees were bad like anything else you have to go through and and pick out the meat and throw away the bones right? So Yeshua here speaks of the burdensome additions to the Torah that they, that they had added. You see, I could say, do not follow the works of the Pharisees, the Pharisees' works of the Torah, and in the same breath, I could say, follow Yeshua's works of the Torah. Right? I want to say one more thing, so lest I not be understood. There are no works of the Torah that can save you. Not good works, not bad works. But after your salvation, after you accept Yeshua and his guidance in your life, Yeshua's good works of the Torah in your life show that you are changed and you are not living for God. What was wrong with their works? Well, he's going to get to that next. He says, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So what had they done to the Torah? They had made it cumbersome. They had made it a burden to bear. With their tradition of requiring Gentiles to be circumcised. I want you to think about this. Was their tradition of requiring Gentiles to be circumcised a burden? Was it? Well, to understand just how much of a burden you eat, you only need to go to Genesis chapter 34. In Genesis chapter 34, Shechem... The son of Hamor has raped Jacob's daughter, but he wants to marry her. And so the sons of Jacob go to him, and they demand that the people of Shechem be circumcised first. I want to pick up in Genesis, it says, So Hamor, the son of Shechem, went to the gate of their city to speak to their fellow townsmen. These men are friendly toward us, they said. Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them, and we can marry their daughters, and they can marry ours. But the men will consent to live with us as one people, only on the condition that our males be circumcised, as they themselves are. Won't their livestock and their property and all their other animals become ours? So let's give our consent to them, and they will settle among us. And all the men went out of the city in a gate and agreed with Hamor and the son of Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords, attacked the unsuspecting city, and killed every male. Think about it. Requiring a week of excruciating pain... For a new follower of Yeshua to be accepted into the covenant community that God has already accepted him in, is that a burden? I think so. Think about this. To the man that Yeshua healed on the Sabbath, having to wait another day or having to miss that healing altogether, might that seem a bit harsh? Might that seem to be a burden? To the disciples going hungry on the Sabbath day, might that seem to have been a bit harsh? Or how about not allowing Gentiles to have fellowship with their Jewish brothers and Messiah, as we saw in Acts chapter 15. Do you think that was a bit harsh and maybe counterproductive to Shaul's mission? So yes, their traditions missed the mark and were counterproductive to God's plan. They were a burden. And I want to look at this, and I'd like to look at it this way. The burden was so excessive that what it had done, it had actually reduced the people to slavery again. Think about it. God brought them forth out of slavery, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he gave them the Torah. And it was meant to keep everyone living in peace and harmony and give freedom and blessing to those who followed its precepts. What we said earlier today as we took out the Torah scroll, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of it. But the Pharisees had by their traditions and their additional laws actually reduced the people to slavery again. So one last time, Yeshua says, the rabbi sat in Moses' seat. They are the keepers of the Torah, and of the Torah, he says, observe and do. Then he says of their traditions and deeds, do not do, because they've tied up heavy loads and reduced men to slavery instead of the freedom which God intended. They have reduced the Torah from a manual for living, for God that was to be lived from the heart to a list of rules and laws that are so cumbersome that a man cannot bear them. Now in closing, there's one more thing that I want you to understand because as we go into next week about this passage. I want you to see the love that the people of Israel had for Yeshua. The fact that that they would sit and listen to him correct and criticize the scribes and the Pharisees shows us two things. First, the fact that Yeshua would do it shows his fearlessness. And second, the fact that they would sit and listen shows the love that the people had for Yeshua. And to understand this, you need to read the words of Josephus. And understand as we're going to read the words of Josephus, that the Sadducees, or the priests and the Pharisees, differed on many points. One of them, the services in the temple. Now listen to what Josephus says. And whatsoever they, the Pharisees, do about the divine worship, the prayers and the sacrifices, they, the priests, perform according to their direction, insomuch that the cities give great attestations to them on account of their entire virtuous conduct, both in actions of their lives. So what I want you to see is that the people loved the Pharisees and respected the Pharisees because of the traditions that they practiced to the degree that the Sadducees had to do what the Pharisees said in the temple, even though they were the priests and the Pharisees were not. And they did it out of fear of the people. And yet, these are the same traditions that Yeshua is calling into question here and criticizing here. Do they stone him? No, because they love Yeshua, and they see the truth of his words. Yeshua speaks truth, no matter what the cost, but it is leaving Yeshua on a collision course with the rulers of this age. Amen?